Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. I love the fact that we gather together not to just hear from an old, irrelevant book, but we actually come to hear from the living, risen God and allow His Holy Spirit to speak into us. So why don't we just pray as we get into God's Word this morning. Dearly Father, we thank You. God, we thank You for our kids. God, who this morning are being reached and ministered to. But God, I pray this morning in these moments that we have together now, God, that You might speak to us. God, speak into the areas of our lives that you want to address this morning. God, comfort us, remind us that you are indeed our living hope. God, this morning, we come with expectant hearts for all that you want to say into our lives that we gather together. In Jesus' name, amen. A story is told about four men who are flying on a very small uh, aeroplane across the US. And all of a sudden, the pilot noticed that there was some, some engine troubles. And all of a sudden, within a few, minutes, a few minutes, all power had died across all of his engines. And so the pilot went back to the passengers, his other three passengers. He said, all right, gentlemen, I've got some bad news. Both engines are out. But before we all freak out and panic, I've got some good news and some bad news. They're wondering about what the good news could possibly be. And so the the pilot went on to say, the good news is this, that we have parachutes. The bad news is that there's four of us and only three parachutes. And I have a wife and four children. At that point, he picked up one of the parachutes and jumped out of the airplane, leaving two parachutes and three men in the airplane. All of a sudden, one of the other passengers stood up and he said, fellas, I don't want to brag, but I am a nuclear physicist." And I am suggesting that I'm one of the smartest men in the whole wide world. And so he grabbed a bag and he jumped out of the aeroplane too. At which point, an older gentleman stood up and he said to the other passenger, Son, you may take the last parachute. You see, I have lived a good life and I'm not worried about whether I will survive because I know where I'm going. To which the young man also stood up and he said, Well, preacher, thanks for that little bit of information, but you don't need to worry because the the incredibly smartest man in the whole world world jumped out with my backpack. So there is two parachutes left behind. I'm so glad that you found out funny. All all week I've gone, I think it's funny. I think it's funny. I think it's funny. Anyway, I got a question for each one of us. What causes you to panic? What causes you to worry? Is it finances or job or schools or uni or kids or your weight or schedules or people? I mean, we live in, a, we live in the age of anxiety. I mean, all you need to do is to jump onto social media and realize the news is back on there or, or flick on the TV or whatever it might be. And there's so much bombarding us. People are so uptight and so worried about so much. I actually read a bit of an article this week and it said this, that 40% of all of the things that we worry about are about the future that will never happen. 30% of us worry about the past that we can't change. 22% of us worry about things that have no lasting significance. And yet only 8% of all that we worry about are legitimate concerns. Worry 
and anxiety are so crippling and debilitating, aren't they? But is this the kind of life that God calls us to? Is this the the bestest life that, that God actually calls us and invites us into? A life where we freak out and we worry about so much. So I want to say to you this morning, if you ever worry, if you ever get anxious about anything, then this sermon is for you. You see, we all have needs and therefore we all have worries. But I want us to invite us to watch the screen for a little short video. Hi, I'm Sarah from the City Campus. I'm a full-time mum to three beautiful but very busy girls. I love my girls and being a real hands-on mum. But some days I feel pulled in every direction and finding five minutes to myself is normally at the end of the day when everyone is in bed and I collapse on the couch. I love that Jesus teaches me to pray as part of my everyday life. Why don't you stand with me and we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Maybe seated. I don't know about you, but I've loved as we've been doing this series about the Lord's Prayer. I love that there is something so profound in the simple. You know, as we've as all we've done is we've just gone through line by line, phrase by phrase, as we've looked at the Lord's Prayer. This morning we come to this, the line which says this: give us today our daily bread. I find it so intriguing that the Jesus here, the disciples hear Jesus pray. They're so profound that they're so amazed by Jesus' prayer that they come to him and say, Jesus, teach us to pray. And this is the line that Jesus, the Father's Son, says about his dad and says to us the things that we need to do. And he says to us that our God is a God of provision. You see, yeah, we, live in a, we live in a day and age where for many of us, we probably don't go without very much. And we might go without some little bits and pieces here and there, but generally, many of us don't go through significant, go without significant things in our lives. So this, this word provision that, that we find here is a word that for many of us is it's kind of almost like a little bit of a foreign word, or at least I reckon it was until last year where the world shook and everything changed. And for so many of us, things began a little, got a little bit shaky, a little bit questionable. We didn't know quite what was going to happen as we walked through last year. And if you're anything like me, in the midst of all that happened last year, I found that my anxiety, my anxiety and my worries began to increase as 
we went through the years and our anxiety, our worries began to go to new levels. And Jesus here is teaching his disciples. He's teaching his disciples that the antidote to the, the yeah, the antidote to, I just had to get the right word, the antidote to our anxiety is his daily provision. And so as we walk into this, as we look at this phrase in this, in this prayer, uh, give us today our daily bread. There's three do's that we need to do as we walk through this, this passage. And the first thing that we need to do is we need to ask God for help. And I know that sounds really, really obvious. I know you're going, yeah, cool. I came to church this morning just to tell, for you to tell me the obvious, Dave. And I know that sounds really, really obvious. But let me make this statement. If we prayed as much as we worried, wouldn't we have less to worry about? See, over 20 times in the New Testament, we find God actually calling to us and speaking to us and saying, you know what, what I want you to do is I want you to ask of me. What I want you to do is I want you to call out to the great provider. I want you to come to me and ask me for what you need. And yet, if you're anything like me, I find it so difficult at times to actually ask those things. But see, my kids have many problems. And if you ask my kids what their problems are, they probably would say their biggest problem is their dad. And, and, and yet one of the things that I've discovered is my kids have a problem. They have a problem getting off the TV or the PlayStation when they've asked. They have a problem going to bed on time. They have a problem doing their dishes. They have a problem cleaning up their rooms. They have a problem eating their vegetables. They have a problem making their beds. And they have many other problems around the house when it comes to helping out and cleaning. But you know the problem that my kids don't have? My kids don't have the problem of asking me for things. And let me illustrate this. When, we, when you take my children, if you don't believe me, take my children, I freely, take my children and take them to the shopping centres. And you will understand that, that when they walk in the shopping centres, they don't have a problem of asking for things. I mean, we have the, the Morrow's 11th commandment. I know there's only 10, but I'd like to add one to it. And every parent and grandparent, you'll want to add this into the Bible. All right, maybe, maybe not. And this is my Morrow's 11th commandment. Thou shalt not taketh my children of the shops because they want to buyeth everythingeth. <laughs> you see, my kids have a lot of problems. I have a lot of problems. You have a lot of problems. But the problem my kids don't have is they don't have the problem of asking. What would our lives look like if we took a leaf out of our children's books and we learn to ask like they learn to ask. You know, what would our lives look like, church, if, if we learned to ask with persistency and passion like my children ask? What would our lives look like if we, if we said, God, these are my needs, not my wants. And so, God, I'm going to come to you with my needs going, God, I so desperately need these things because of these reasons. But I reckon if you're anything like me, we so easily and too quickly give up. But God wants us to see this morning. He wants us to recognize that, that He is the source of all of our needs. You know, that as we walk in our lives, as we're walking in the uncertainty of the future and, and we walk into everything that we face, that we've got to realize that, that when we don't know what to do, God is our wisdom. That when we run out of energy, God is our strength. 
that when we feel like we're caving in and, 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 and things are depressing around us, that God is our source of happiness and God is our source of joy. That when things look hopeless, that our God is our sense of hope. That when we, when we are stressed, that God is our sense of our peace. That when we're angry and we're to blow up, that God is our sense of patience. When we're overwhelmed with guilt, that God is our sense of salvation. And when we feel like we want to give up, God is our sense of encouragement. See, church, I don't know if you've realized this, but we have a great God, yeah? I mean, He is the source of all the things that we need. And He comes to us. I mean, His Son says, hey, you know, when you pray, this is how you to pray. What I want you to do is I want you to come to the Father and I want you to look to Him and I want you to ask for help. The second thing we need to do is we need to remember God's resources. See, what I find so interesting is about the wording that, that, that Jesus used, you know, come and ask for your daily bread. Bread represents the bare necessities of life. I mean, you know, we saw, uh, we saw the lady up there cutting a loaf of bread on the bench. And if you're anything like me with a German heritage and background, like bread is my, the, the, the necessity of life. And so I'm watching it, I'm beginning to drool just as she's cutting this beautiful, freshly, you know, steaming loaf of bread. And God wants to remind us that he's in the business of providing all of our basic needs. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, it says this, God will supply all that you ever need from his glorious resources in Christ Jesus. You see, worry shows me that I've forgotten God's promises and that he has unlimited resources at his disposal. Prayer reminds us that we aren't in control. I mean, you know, this was, this was so highlighted in 2020. And I reckon for so many of us, why that year was so hard because it was a year where everything seemed to be out of control and out of control of what we could do. And when we feel like your hopelessness and when we feel like in those moments, then we begin to worry. Because worry is an attempt to control the uncontrollable. I've got a question for you this morning. So God made the whole world, the universe, the cockroaches, the, 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 the warm, fuzzy puppy dogs, the, the people didn't like cockroaches. You know, God made us, God made the trees, God made everything. He is and was all. Do you think how much of everything we're going through is out of God's control? Do you think that some of this is out of God's control? Of course we don't. You know, God made everything. God, God knew what was going to happen before it was going to happen. And we sometimes think that maybe just maybe God doesn't know what he's doing or maybe sometimes we feel like things are out of control, but the reality is the extreme opposite. God understands and God knows. Philippians 4 verse 6 says this, Don't worry about what? Anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. Tell God your needs. See, self-sufficiency and comfort can so easily become the enemy of our prayers. 
And this is why I think this, this, this line in the, this simple line, give us today our daily bread that we find in the Lord's Prayer is actually so powerful because it reminds us at the core, that the very core of us that we can't do and we can't provide everything that we need. And that we're, as we're invited to ask God for our basic provisions, we're reminded that every good gift comes from God who will provide every need that we have and are reminded that without God, we just can't do it. And that's why as of tomorrow, and you, as you came in, you would have seen a, a little card that's sitting on, on your chair, on your row, and I invite you to take them this morning. This, this, uh, this, this month, in the month of March, we're walking into a 21 days of prayer and fasting. I was saying to the team before, and I remember this time last year where I did my very first 21-day fast. And you know, at that point, I didn't really quite understand. I didn't know what it was going to be like. And I, I didn't know, but I, all I knew that I was, I wanted to be more desperate for God than I, than I did for a steak. And so I just went, you know what, so I'm going to do a 21-day Daniel fast. And I'm going to cut out all meat and, uh, and all carbs and all bread and all of those type of things and throw into, I'm, going to not eat, I'm not going to drink any coffee because I thought, hey, well, you, we, let's just throw some more fun in. And what I found is over that 21 days, it was like God turned the dial up in his voice in my life. As it began to say, God, I'm, I'm actually putting these things aside because God, I want to be more passionate. God, I want to be more in love with you. God, I want to see you do some breakthroughs in my life. And as I take some, took some steps of faith and said, God, for 21 days, I'm going to forsake those things because I want to be more hungry and passionate for you. So this year, 21 days over March leading up to Easter, we're inviting us to, in some capacity, maybe for you it might be, you know what, I'm not going to look at social media, I'm not going to watch TV, I'm not going to drink coffee, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just give up one meal once a week or one meal once a day or whatever it might be for you to say, you know what, God, we, we got here our hearts. God, we want to be more desperate for you than whatever it is that I'm sacrificing over these next 21 days. And see what God might do in your lives. As we say, God, I want to put you back as a priority in my life, not just, kind, not just an, an added extra. See, have you ever realized that, that all of our anxiety that we're carrying around is completely worthless? If God really does supply all of our needs, Just let that sink in again. That all of anxiety that you're carrying around is worthless. If God really does supply all of your needs. So I remember that. I remember when I not long became a Christian, I started going to Bible college. I felt God say, all right, I want you to go to Bible college. And I remember I remember, got through first semester and, and I was growing and learning and it was, it was good, but it was really challenging. And I remember it came time to enroll for, for semester two and it was about $2,000 to enroll in Bible college back in the day. There was no fee help, no other options. And so you had to fork out $2,000 to do four subjects. And I remember going in and I remember I'd been working and working and working to try and raise the $2,000. But I had some car issues and some various different things come up along the way. And, and I realized just before I was about to enroll for, 
for semester two that I was $1,500 short. And so what I did is I freaked out and I worried and I anxiety and all the normal stuff that we all did. And, and my go-to, my default go-to wasn't to prayer, but was to freaking out. And I remember the morning, I still remember the morning where it was the day where we had to enroll and I knew I was $1,500 short. And I still remember that day of, I was packing up and getting all my stuff and I was just about to leave and dad walked in and kind of just gave me a letter and I, that was in the letterbox and I grabbed it and I kind of threw it in with my stuff and I jumped in the car and I threw the letter on the front seat of my car and I drove off to Bible college. And I prayed the whole way going, God, I know this is what you've called me to do and I know that you're a God who provides my needs and you know my needs and so I don't know what to do with the rest of this prayer. Amen. And I remember getting out of the car and I grabbed my bag and I remember seeing the envelope, the, the letter that was sitting on the front seat of my car and I grabbed the letter and I kind of, you know, just shut the door and, and I wandered off to, to class. And as I was about to enter class, I remember, I remember the letter, I remember, and so I thought, you know what, while we're all kind of just mingling about to head into class, I remember just opening up the letter. And I looked inside and there was no card, there was no name, there was nothing else except for a whole wad of cash. And I still don't know. I still don't know how or who gave it. I went home and said, Mum and Dad, did you do this? Did you stage this? And they're like, no, we didn't do it. We don't have 1,500 bucks. So I remember time and time again where Shadi and I have seen in our family's life where God has provided our needs, not our greeds. See, church, there is a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between what I, what I want and what I need. Now, I can, I can easily justify my wants into the needs category. Don't we all? Come on, it's not just me. God's promise was this, that he would provide our daily bread. He would provide our needs, not our greeds. Parents, grandparents, you know. You know that you don't give your kids or your grandkids everything they ask for, do you? No, because they ask for a lot of stuff, don't they? You know, they are asking for everything. You go to the shops and they ask for everything. Can we have that, 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 that? You don't even know what that is yet, but I want it. You know, like, and, and so they want all of this stuff. And why don't we give them everything that they want? Because we know that that wouldn't be best for them. You know, we walk through the confectionery aisle of the supermarket and my kids point out every new chocolate that is or isn't on special. And I'm a good father and I know that they don't need any of that because all of that wouldn't necessarily be good for them. So why don't you give your kids all the things that they want? You don't give them to you because you love them. May I suggest this morning that maybe the things that we're not receiving from God, that we're cracking the sads, or at least I do, maybe the things that we're not receiving from God are actually on purpose, not because God doesn't love us, actually because God does love us. See, he says that he will provide our needs out of his out of his glorious resources that are found in Jesus Christ. You see, I want to say that, 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 that God's ability to provide is greater than your anxiety. That whatever you're uptight about right now, that God has more ability than your anxiety does. 
So you can come. And I love this because Jesus says, what I want you to do is I want you to go to, to, to the Father. And I want you to say this because I know it firsthand. I want you to come to God and I want you to ask for help. And I want you to remember who has the resource. He does. And the third thing and last thing that we've got to remember is that we've got to trust in God's timing. Now, I'm not, I wouldn't get you to put your hand up at this point because I don't want to embarrass you, but I will. Who's with me knows that God's timing is different to ours? <laughs> Who's a little bit frustrated that God hasn't caught up to my, the fact that my timing is actually probably the right timing, that if God got the program and got with my timing, that that would always... Of course, it isn't. You know, we know that God's timing is different from our timing. But you know what? With, with a little bit of time past the timing, we all know that God's timing is perfect, isn't it? Even when we wrestle and even when we don't necessarily always like the outcome with time, we recognize that God's timing is always perfect. You see, waiting requires faith. And God wants us to trust Him daily, doesn't He? I mean, He says, you know what? Give us your daily bread. What He doesn't say is, oh, what, you, what, what Jesus is going to do is you pray for your needs. He's going to provide you weekly or your monthly or your yearly or your biannually or your whatever it might be, needs and bread because bread goes out of date way too quickly. So God recognises that He wants us to come to Him daily because it's a statement of trust. See, he knows that we're, he's not going to give us everything for the next 20 years, but he will give us one thing at a time, day in and day out, so that we can keep depending on him, so that we can continue to look to him for our source. But I don't know about you, but I struggle with this because if I'm really honest, I struggle with it because I kind of have thought in the past, you know, if God really loved me, He'd give me a little bit of a buffer. Like if God really, really loved me, He'd give me a little bit extra that would kind of like, if He came through late, then I would have enough to make you kind of to, to cover the excess and to cover the gap. And that was until I realized something quite profound as I watched my kids one day. I realized that my children rely on me for everything for food, for a roof over the head, for school, for transport, for clothing, for shoes, for whatever it might be. My kids rely on me and Shadi for everything in their lives. And I've never had one of my kids come to me and go, Dad, you are an evil and a bad dad. And I'm like, whoa, that's a little harsh. No, Dad, you're evil and bad because we rely on you for everything. See, my kids have never said that. But what they have said is, Dad, I love you. Because they know that I will provide because I love them. And because I have and will do my best to always provide for them. See, God, God, God promises that he will always provide. Not because of what we've done. Not because of the great work or the hard work that we've done. But because of whose we are. See, I can do my best to provide for my kids because I love them, because they are my kids. And so does God. 
So why is our God? Why is our God, uh, why does our God make such audacious promises to be our provider? I mean, if you think about it this morning, why is it that, that, that the God of the universe that could do anything, why is it that He makes the promise? It's His promise, not my promise. He makes the promise that He would provide everything that we need. And I reckon part of the answer is found in Romans chapter 8, verses 31. And it's one of the biggest and most important questions that every one of us will face. And it's this, if God is with us, who can be against us? Let me answer that question. Is God for you or is God against you? Now, what I, want, what I don't want you to answer out is if what your head says. But what I want you to answer out of is what your heart says. Is God for you or is He against you? You As you look at Jesus, as you look at God, do you see a judge and a lawgiver or do you see a father and a friend? Do Do you see someone who's just waiting for you to blow it so he can kind of stomp on your head or kind of get you in trouble? Or is He working out for good in your life despite our performance? Your question, how did you receive salvation? Was it because of your work and the effort that you earned your salvation? I mean, did you bring anything to the table when you first found Jesus? See, my Bible tells me in the book of Romans that I'm saved by grace through faith in Christ, not by works. In other words, I'm not worthy of salvation, but by God's grace. By God's grace, He allowed His Son to die in my place for for my brokenness, my mistakes and my, my selfishness, my arrogance, my pride at times. Jesus died in my place. And, and now that this grace that Jesus offers me gets me and positions me in right standing with God. It's His perfect sacrifice. His pain, the price for my sin. See, if God sent His Son to die in my place, does does that sound like the the actions of a God who who is against you? Does that sound like the actions of a God who, who doesn't love you, who doesn't want to provide all of your needs? I don't know you, church, but, but that sounds like a God who is recklessly in love with someone like you and someone like me, doesn't it? A God who wants the best. A God who wants to provide for His children. Who chose an excruciating death so that we didn't have to be separated from Him. See, that's, that's not a God who will let you down. That's not a God who, who will turn the other way in your moment of need. That is not the actions of a God who is for you. And this morning, that's just what God wants to hear.
That's what, sorry, that's just what God wants you to hear. But I reckon the challenge for every one of us is that as Christians, we can live our lives two different ways. And, and firstly, we, we live our lives thinking, uh, so we, we, we live Christian lives in the way that we think about salvation. You know, we, we, to be honest, we kind of doubt, we don't doubt that, that we're saved through grace and through Jesus Christ, but we live non-Christians in the ways that we think. Let me explain. Too often we believe that God gives us access into heaven, which we don't doubt, but we don't trust God to be in charge of our every day and to provide everything that we need. But one of my favorite passages in the Bible is Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, it says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give all us all things? Whom shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? And church, I love in this, in this passage, kind of up until this point, Jesus, uh, sorry, the, the writer Paul here is just writing a bunch of questions. But then in verse 37, it changes from questions to declaration. And it says this, No, in all things, we are more than conquerors in Christ who loves us. For I am convinced, church, are you convinced this morning that that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor the powers, neither height or the depth or anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, all I want to say to us this morning is simply this, which is the heart of the gospel, this heart of God. And all He wants to say to us this morning is this, that God really, really cares about you. That God really, really loves you. And that we know that our situations and our finances and our economy and our relationships, they will change and they will get shaky at different times. But God wants to remind us that He never changes. That nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. No lack, no COVID, no job loss, no abuse, no sin, no brokenness, no financial changes, no mistakes, no bare cupboards, no empty fridge will ever separate us from the love of God. And the promise that God wants to provide all So this morning, I've got a question to ask. I want to ask some of you this morning that have never said yes to Jesus. You've never made that step to say, God, I want to begin this journey. God, I want to to meet relationally for the first time. God, I want to give give my life to a God who, who so deeply and desperately loves me. 
I want to ask a question. This morning we receive the love of God. Will you accept the free gift of salvation? Will you forgive? Will you, will you, will you accept the offer of forgiveness from all of the mistakes of our past? Will you receive a living hope? So this morning, can I just everyone to, to close your eyes for a moment? And this morning, if you've walked in here for the first time or the hundredth time, but you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never given your life to Him, this morning is your moment. In fact, all of this got put on just for you. That God orchestrated all of this because He so deeply and recklessly loves you. And He wants to offer you the gift of forgiveness and new life. So this morning, if you need to say yes to Jesus, will you just raise your hand? Just say, yep, that's me this morning. I want to make that step and I want to make that decision this morning. Say yes to Jesus. Is that you this morning? God wants you to know. God doesn't want you just to know, but He wants you to know, know. What I mean by no, no is that if you've heard me ever speak, and I often talk about the no, no's. You know, it's easy to know up here, but it's not easy always to know down here. You know, it's easily to intellectually go, yep, cool, I get it. There's a whole new reality, a whole new faith step that says, yes, I know, no. I get it. I get it. This morning, God wants you to know, know that when shakings come as they have and they will, when worry and anxieties begin to raise in our hearts and our minds, when bills begin to mount and debts creep in and school fees happen and car bills happen and job uncertainty, God actually says in in 1 Peter 5, 7, He says this, Cast all your anxiety on me because He cares for you. This morning, Jesus offers a gift, an invitation to us. And He simply says, Will you come to me? Come to me with your needs. Come to me with your anxieties. Come to me with your worry. Come to me with what is waking you up in the middle of the night and freaking you out. Wake, come to me with all of those things because I am the God who is a provider. So as the team come up, God says, I want you to know, know that I am your provider. That we can come to a heavenly Father who says, come to me and I will bring you and I will give you your daily bread. Because He is our living hope, isn't He? I love the fact that when the world all goes pear-shaped, one constant, and that is who Jesus is and what He did. And that no matter what happens, no matter how much hope seems to fade at different times, He is our living hope. 
He is the promise that we can stand on. And so as the team begin to sing the song, the chorus of living hope, what I want us to do, will you stand with me this morning? And will you just stand with hands outraised? And, and what God wants to say this morning is, I want you to just come to me with your needs. And so as the, as the team begins to, to sing the, the chorus of this song, Living Hope, why don't you just begin to raise out your lift out your hands and say, God, these are my needs. God, this is what's going on. And God, I just wanna pray. God, we're gonna pray over each one of us. The challenges, the needs, the problems, the things in our lives, the worry, the anxiety, and we're gonna cast it on God because He cares. This morning, just raise your hands. Just receive from Him this morning. As we pour out our hearts to our God, He's not a deaf God. It is a God who says, I will provide your daily needs because I so deeply love you and I care for the things that you care about. And I, I, I'm here for the things that you worry about. God, I pray over every one of us. The worries, the anxieties, God, I pray that we will stop focusing on the things that cause anxiety and cause worry. But God, we will shift the focus off those things and onto the God who says that you will provide our daily bread. God, that you are the great provider. God, that you are the one that is for us and with us. God, I pray that as we cast our anxieties, throw off our anxieties. God, as we continue to look to you, God, that we will have story after story that Your Word is true. God, that You do provide. God, that You are with us. God, we thank You that regardless of whatever happens in the future, God, that You are our living hope. Because You're a God who is with us. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to get connected with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.